On today's Question of Faith, what does the church think about school vouchers? everybody, welcome to Question of Faith. I am Mike Hayes. I am the Young Adult Ministry Director in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damien Ferentz, the Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm Frank Olin, Secretary of Education and Superintendent of Schools for the Diocese of Cleveland. Welcome back, Frank. Thank you. It's great to be back. End of the school year, too, huh? Yes, an ex- exciting time. It's graduation season, commencement season. It's just a joyful, wonderful time. It's awesome. And it seems like all a flutter around the political spectrum these days are questions about school choice. So, so what's what's on the docket right now? Like, uh, what, what should people in Ohio be thinking about? Well, it's a, it's a, a great opportune time to talk about school choice. Uh, the state is as it does every spring, every odd numbered spring. It makes its two year budget. So this process is not new. Um, but we're paying particular attention, especially because this year the state, in making its two year budget, is focusing a lot on education funding, both increasing the funding for traditional public district and public schools and increasing the availability of school choice scholarships, particularly the ed choice scholarship or, or a, uh, some, some form of school choice scholarship that parents could take and use at the school of their choice. That's, uh, that's been central to the activities so far. The governor introduced a budget in January. This is the normal process. And he mm-hmm. called for increasing the eligibility of the current EdChoice scholarship from a level of 250% times the the federal poverty level, that's the, the maximum income threshold for a household, jumping that up to 400%. Then the House takes the budget, and they did their, their amendments to it and, and passed their version. That actually increased the availability of school choice to 450% of the federal mm-hmm. poverty level. And now the Senate has the budget, and they are deliberating. Uh, they, uh, from the beginning, actually, had a Senate bill that would call for every Ohioan to potentially have the availability of a school choice scholarship, Ed Choice. So explain a little bit what this is. So what is this school choice, and how does it affect Catholics and Catholic schools? Like, what's the meat and potatoes here? That's a great question. The, uh, the scholarship itself delivers funds directly to parents. So in the case of Ed Choice, it is a, a scholarship that's a maximum of Five thousand five hundred for elementary students, or seven thousand five hundred dollars for high school students, and the scholarship goes directly to the parents. The parents then are able to choose whatever school they want to send their child to. So they can certainly send their school to their traditional public school. They can choose a charter school, but using this scholarship, then they could choose a Catholic school, for example, or any other non-public school like a Jewish day school, a uh, a, a non-religious institution. You get the idea. It's literally about parents who the church agrees are the primary educators of their children, them having the voice and the choice about what's right for their kids. And so that sort of answers the question, like, should the church accept the money money from the government for, for Catholic schools, let's say? But we're not talking about the church taking the money. We're giving the money directly. To, they would be giving the money directly to the parents, right? Absolutely, yes. This is a... It, it goes by, I guess, various uh, various terms. We talk about school choice, but really, it's truly parental school choice or parental choice for for education. And uh, and and we acknowledge that public schools are are still and will remain probably the largest uh, choice, the largest option for our, our parents. Uh, but our Catholic schools, we believe, have a 
a specific purpose and a, a really are based on our gospel call to educate young people in the faith. And affordability has been a challenge. This is a great opportunity for people who want a faith-based education, uh, especially Catholics, but, but anyone who wants the faith-based, values-based education we provide to have access to it, or at least to remove the financial barriers to access. That's great. So we were talking before the show, uh, I don't do as many baptisms as I once did when I was a parish <laughs> priest, but I still do them. And at the end of the baptismal rite, there's a blessing prayed over the mother, and then there was one prayed over the father. And when it's prayed over the father, the, it says something like this, that you and your wife are to be the first and best best educators in the ways of faith or best teachers in the ways of faith. So um, that is given to parents as a responsibility. Paul VI has written, parents who have the primary and inalienable right and duty to educate their children must enjoy true liberty in their choice of schools. So this voucher program, which it's commonly known as, is very much in line with Catholic Church teaching. Oh, definitely. Uh, in fact, you can go back hundreds or uh, hundreds of years to, to church documents on the the value of Catholic schools themselves, uh, even all the way back to the 1885 encyclical on Christian education, recognizing the critical importance of Catholic schools. But then especially since the Second Vatican Council, really this, this acknowledgement uh, in not just the United States, but but a- across the world, that parents should have this, this right to choose, and that that the church's language saying the government should should support this right, that it's a matter of distributive justice. Actually, in the Declaration on Christian Education from the Second Vatican Council, it's the concern for distributive justice that public subsidies are paid out in such a way that parents are truly free to choose according to their conscience the schools they want for their children. In our diocese, we don't have a school system, but we do have a system of schools, correct? That's how we call it. Kind of or no? Uh, we have a we we very much have uh, I, I I would argue that we're all a system, uh, but there's a lot of local control, which okay. means that the the pastors, principals, that the schools have uh, have have autonomy and variability in what they're able to provide. And how many how many grade schools do we have? How many high schools do we have? We have 106 schools in the Diocese of Cleveland. 20 of them are high schools. The other 86 are are K-12. Or actually, we've got some. We've got a couple. Uh, I'm sorry, K-8. We've got a couple K-12 campuses in there that, that make the math a little funny. But, yes, uh, across our eight counties, we're more than 38,000 students, P through 12. And I remember at a recent uh, gathering, actually, I, maybe my language was wrong, but you, it was something about tunnels connecting islands. I remember oh, seeing yes. a map, the slide. What was the image that you used? Yeah, I, I, I refer to us. I mean, we are very much islands, Those I, specifically the parish school. You've got a pastor, a principal, a local school community. And uh, in many cases, we feel disconnected. We're siloed or, or we're islands. Now, I like the island image because we are connected, but you have to go really down deep under the surface to see the connection with the universal church. Um, but our strategic planning initiative is really to help be more collaborative and build bridges among those islands so that we can do these sorts of things. Uh, I guess back to, the, back to the notion of school choice, well, two things I'd, I'd Note first, uh, well, I just named our, our impressive enrollment numbers. We're still the sixth largest diocese in terms of enrollment in the mm-hmm. country. Uh, we are, especially at the elementary level, we're in the 20 years before COVID 19, we've seen a 50% decline in the number of students who are attending Catholic elementary schools. Mm. But the other thing that's happened is in those 20 years, we've seen more than a, a doubling of the tuition cost, the out of pocket uh-huh. cost. And this is right. before even adjusting for inflation. So, uh, so it, it 
it speaks to the fact that there there are families who well I, I look at that and say it's not just a a uh, demand challenge it's not just a population challenge are there fewer kids now in northeast ohio than there were 20 years ago yes actually by about 18 or 19 percent but our enrollment's down 50 percent uh-huh. so it's not just a, a scarcity of of children it's also the ability to afford catholic schools yeah. and where we've seen recent growth in the scholarship programs uh, we've actually seen enrollment growth along with them. So to me, that's kind of proof positive that families want this type of education, but the the barrier to accessing it is being able to afford the tuition or being able to connect the financial aid with the, with the resources that are available. Do you find families surprised when they hear that this is available, or do some people not know about it? I think a lot of people don't know about it, and, and furthermore, I think a lot of people... Uh, it has been changing rapidly. So uh, the, the brief history here is Cleveland, the Diocese of Cleveland, actually the city of Cleveland, had the nation's second ever scholarship program, voucher program. Milwaukee was the first. Hmm. It just started in, in uh, the 1990s, actually. It launched in 1996. And it went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. The court affirmed the legality of, of all this and the separation of church and state issues. Uh, it was then 10 years after that that Ed Choice the Ed Choice Scholarship Program began, it was launched in 2006, and it was just for students who were in the poorest performing schools outside of Cleveland. And so these were generally, as, as is true among most of the United States, the poorest performing schools are usually correlated with lowest income communities, sure. uh, lowest academic performance, poorly resourced. Um, and you had to be in a public school to receive a scholarship and then take it to a non-public school, like a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Ever since that day, really since the start of the, the Cleveland Scholarship, um, there have been movements to make these scholarships more friendly, more available, and less burdensome on the schools and families to to participate in. So I find there's a lot of misinformation. People hear Ed Choice and they think of the early days of Ed Choice. Well, that's not for my child. Or mm-hmm. uh, that's only going to students who are low academic performing or have all these other barriers. And it's true. Those are a lifeline uh, for for those students, but I think the the paradigm shift that's been happening since then is is the understanding of Catholics and and Ohioans that that is uh, while we have a preference for those who are, who are on the margins and who are disadvantaged, every Ohioan deserves this kind of choice. That that the church is actually right. That the parents should be the primary educators of their children. Mm-hmm. And so what the what's literally happening in, in Columbus right now from the policy standpoint is there's a lot of guessing about well if we gave everyone a scholarship how many people would actually take it what would you know what would be the costs um, some estimates say that the, keeping in mind I, I mentioned the scholarship amounts here uh, the average public school spending is about four, between fourteen and fifteen thousand per pupil this current school year out of the state budget out of the state budget right uh, that's actually state and local resources together yeah, sure but uh, so this is a this is actually a savings should should more students take it on so there's a lot of the policy about that um, that's probably another point I should clarify that that has been rapidly changing that there's there's no longer unlike the early days of the scholarship there's no longer any deductions from a public district uh, all the local tax dollars stay with the local district. So I, I live in my city. I pay my property taxes. I, you know, I pay my state taxes. Uh, the local share of that goes to the, the public district, no matter how many kids attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether I send my students, my own children there or not, that those local taxes go there and they stay there 
what this scholarship affects is only the state share, the portion that follows the pupil. And uh, this is kind of a change in the funding formula in the last couple of years. In addition to giving the public districts and charter schools, for that matter, uh, raises, additional amounts of funding, it's also trying to fund students where they go, not necessarily where they live, but where they choose to go. So that's true with charter schools and even scholarship students like, like these vouchers. It sounds like a win-win. All the way around. Well, I'm biased. Yeah, but, uh, I am too. But I think it's I'm a, three. Yeah. No, I, I I think there's a great economic argument for uh, for the state. I, I think. Uh, I mean, I see it differently depending on, on which lens you're looking through it. But I agree, it's a win-win-win. If you if you're a policymaker trying to figure out how do we keep education strong, well, it's very efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, it's efficient to give a student a scholarship for less than what. You would cost to educate them in the public school, have them attend a Catholic school, get a great values-based education, save the state money. Uh, from a parent perspective, which the church would argue is the most important, you get the opportunity to to align your choices with your values. You pick from all these different school options and pick the one that's best for you. And f- from my standpoint as a, the school system operator, not the, not the parent perspective, uh, it's really an incentive and a motivation. Of, you know, th- the fact that Everyone might have access to a scholarship doesn't mean that they're going to choose our schools. Our schools have to be great. We have to f- fulfill the promise of being irresistibly Catholic, academically excellent. And so that's, that's my responsibility to my team to help sure. support those schools do that. Uh, so from all those fronts, really, there's, I, I think there's lots of good reasons for this and, and few reasons ag- against it. Uh, of course, I can't think of any reason against it. We but, s- go ahead. Yeah. This, oh. Well, you said the state pays $14,000 about per student. Then the scholarship if for grade school is a little over five and high school a little over seven. So, yes, the uh, the, the overall savings is, is it's very efficient. Plus, I mean, we take that that's the maximum. By the way, the, the state pays whatever the the most tuition we would charge my family. Um, but also, as you may know, with our parish schools and and even our, our religious order schools. Nobody's tuition is paying the full cost to educate. There's either some sort of parish subsidy from the Sunday collection plate, or or there's an endowment, or the religious order is you know is is providing an endowment for the school. There's whether it's the roof over the head, and uh, and typically it's a lot of scholarship funds as well. That comes nowhere near the actual cost of providing that school. So the state's getting a bargain, and it's it's our charity that's helping educate young people as well. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a I think it is a win win win. All around. So, Frank, this sounds great for Catholic schools and charter schools and things like that. What, what would it mean for public schools? What would the impact be there on, on public school education? Well, it's a, a wonderful question. It's one that, that there's a lot of speculation about, um, especially from the policymakers. And the short answer, I think, goes, goes for me, goes back to the church's teaching about parents are the fundamental educators of the children. If every student who's parentally placed in their traditional public school now and doesn't have the option for a scholarship – receives a scholarship, but they're happy in their public school, no one will leave. Right? Their, their budgets won't, won't change a penny. All those local taxes will go there, and all their enrollment will stay, and so the dollars that follow the enrollment will, will remain there. But if anybody's unhappy, or if they want the kind of education we provide, and, and cost has been the challenge for them getting it, then they may move to a Catholic school or some other kind of school. And what the, di- the district's effect would be they'd, they'd keep all the local share, something like half of their funding for that pupil, and they'd lose just the state share. Again, about half of what, what is typically in the formula. So I, net, they actually have more dollars per pupil should students take the scholarship and move away from a district school. Now, I know that's you know, the, 
on a on a micro level, if you've got a class of twenty five and it becomes a class of twenty three, that's you know that, that's that not the same things, as yeah, right. But yeah, still. But from a from across the entire state standpoint, from a system level, it, it is that's where you see the economic benefit all around. I guess I'd going to wrap it up with uh, just making sure our listeners know that. This, the Senate is considering providing a scholarship to everyone, but that's not a that's not a guarantee. So if you are uh, interested in this topic, you can certainly follow it with the Catholic Conference of Ohio. You can let your voice be heard. Uh, go to the Catholic Conference, which is the 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 face of the bishops uh, get to the Ohio legislature. So they represent all of our Ohio bishops in terms of, of policy. The Catholic Conference has been very, very active in this issue, but you can go to their action alerts. You can, in about 10 seconds, you can <clears throat> click in and send a message to your senator, your representatives, and, and let them know of your support for this issue. Mm-hmm. FD said earlier, like, a lot of people don't know about this. So if I'm a parent and I'm looking, I want to look into this, where would I go? The Catholic Conference of Ohio website is the, the best place. Also, if you are a parent in a Catholic school, you've, I hope, have been seeing some communications about this, and we'll see another one soon because uh, we're making sure everybody's aware these coming weeks as, as this legislative session comes to a close. They've got to finish the budget so that it's signed by June 30th in order to start the next fiscal year. So mm-hmm. that means the, uh, the, the clock is ticking and the legislature's burning the midnight oil to get the budget done. It's great. Nice. Bishop Molesic will often say that our biggest uh, youth ministry program in the diocese are our Catholic schools. So it's really important that we support them, know what's going on in them, and figure out how many young people that we can educate and form if it is their parents' will that they be formed by Catholic schools. So. Indeed. Thanks for coming on, Frank. Thank you for having me. Hold on. We still have something to do, don't we? Yeah. So we have a – we always talk about a church, number one, and so um, – Recently, I went out to uh, Rob Blackburn's uh, first mass at St. Basil's. I had not been there before, I, I, and then I en- ended up going there twice in a week because yeah. I went through the Deacon uh, Jubilee right afterwards. But what a great parish! I'm yeah. heading there in 90 minutes oh, for the, another Jubilee mass. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's right, the priest Jubilee. That's today, right, right. Yeah, I'd say we're recording this on a Tuesday. So, uh, congratulations to all the priests who are celebrating anniversaries this year. Anybody you know celebrating a big anniversary? Father well, Dave Blind is right. Yeah, well, that whole class of 1998. They were ordained when I was a senior at Borromeo. So nice. Blind, Gernick, Stock, uh, Johnny O is coming up from El Salvador. Nice. And Valencheck. Yeah, so that'll be cool. That'll be cool. Yeah, so cool. But that was a great parish. Um, I actually saw some friends there who I didn't know were parishioners there, which is, which is really funny. Um, but great great parish. And um, Father Ryan Mann is the pastor there. Who's Former a, parishioner of mine. Old friends, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Has a podcast of his own that you can check out. And then... Um, uh, out in out in Independence, correct? Uh, Brexville. Uh, Brexville, my fault. Yeah, so they're partnered. Speaking of Catholic schools, with Saint Saint Michael's and uh, Saint Basil have a relationship. That's why I was. But thinking. the schools down the street, and I think the yeah. preschools up the street, and the Life Teen program, the Youth Ministry, is at Basil's, which is dynamite. Um, and they've actually they're sending us. They already have one or two guys in the seminary, but I think next year they'll have three, which is very nice. Yeah. Uh, parishes health can sometimes be measured by the amount of seminarians they have. So, And welcome to Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday coming up. So we have readings for this week. What were you thinking about? Come Holy Spirit. I'm thinking just in general that the Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life, and that we need to call upon him more and stop trying to fix ourselves. Yeah, yeah. The part that stood out to me when talking about school choice today, too, was like, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free persons. And we're all given to drink of one spirit. So although we're different, we're, we still all come together in the, in the spirit as well. Frank, any thoughts on Pentecost? 
Oh, <clears throat> Father Damien, I agree. That's my uh, come Holy Spirit has become my my go-to prayer. Uh, Father Ted Hesburgh, who was the oh, longtime president of the University of Notre Dame, yeah, Holy Cross priest, uh, who considered that <clears throat> that was his number one vocation, being a priest. That was his, uh, as I look to leaders who inspire Catholic education leadership, inspire me. Uh, that was his favorite prayer, and I think it's quickly become mine. Mm-hmm. In, these, in situations where we don't know what to do, come Holy Spirit. And we should say, as, whole, as uh, Pentecost is coming, that we made a new video for the Eucharistic Revival that has now been translated into 16 different languages. We did a video shoot at St. Stanislaus. It's been released. Check out our social media. It's amazing. And you'll see some friends, and you'll hear different languages, from Spanish to Swahili, Latin, uh, Polish, Italian, it, you'll love it. You'll love it. So make sure you check that out. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. I got to tell you, as someone who helped write that prayer, hearing it in all these different languages like really moved me. I was like, wow, listen to all that. Yeah. Like I, I showed it to my wife last night, and she was like, wow, so the, what language is that? And what language is that? You know, she was really getting into it, and I was like, yeah, this is great. It's I very said, cool. It was a really good. They did a great job with the video. Really, really looks. Yeah, good. and if you see it. Please share it. We want as many yeah. people to see it as possible because we're, we're moving into the parish phase of Eucharistic Revival, Corpus Christi weekend. So we want this to, to catch some fire this weekend. Indeed. Coming up next week, we'll talk about some summer plans with uh, some softball going on and as well as some uh, ballpark masses as well. So we'll have that and a whole lot more next time on Question of Faith.